0: Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I'm Meg Walter in studio today with Nick Morley and Eli McCann. Hello.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Nick, what have you been watching?
1: Oh, I feel like I'm a little bit late to the party, but Anthony Bourdain Parts Unknown Mm. is on Netflix. And? But only season 7 through 11, so I'm a little bit bummed. I wanted Hmm. to start. Yeah. Right? Weird. Come on, Palo Alto. So?
0: (laughs) It's awesome.
1: It's awesome. At first, I kind of thought the guy was kind of pretentious. He's like, oh, I'm Master Chef Anthony Bourdain, and I'm going to riddle amongst the poor people for a little bit and learn about their culture. But that's exactly what he does, and it's pretty cool. But he, like, champions the poor people. Yeah, yeah, he really does. And he really appreciates even, like, the best dishes from the Philippines. Like, that was the most recent one I watched, To The most cheap ones possible and really like tries to find the best in all of them oh fun yeah so i'm looking forward to watching more of that cnn did really and it's too bad that he's gone it is yeah. too bad. it's one of it's one of those things that you, when you're watching it's like this guy could have done a lot more like oh, he could have done a lot of good that but sucks it's rough so i started chef's table but i've seen the first couple of seasons but i decided to pick myself back up every time they show the slow motion like they're putting <laughs> like a mint leaf i always picture myself like If I was making mac and cheese for my kid and like they do like a slow motion of me like pouring milk or something
0: like that. Dark, moody, lighting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They should have a streaming service that just streams TV shows about food
1: for you. (laughs) I know. It would be the only one you would
2: need to subscribe to. It's the best. Yeah.
1: But then um, I started a new podcast. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. So he does different interviews that are different from his talk show it's more like the long-form podcast that you're used to listening to where you cover like a wide range of topics so he sits mm-hmm. down with these people for an hour the bill Hader one is super funny mm-hmm. i would recommend doing that one first because he's been on his show so many times that they know each other really well so they're able to dive into like mm. his career and stuff going forward but yeah that's it for me
0: i like the will Farrell episode of conan o'brien needs a friend it gives you some insight into how Will Ferrell functions and how comfortable he is with making people uncomfortable. Huh. He likes just beating a joke to death. So people get to a point where they're laughing at a joke and then they stop laughing at the joke. And if you keep going, then they're really laughing at the joke mm-hmm. and kind of the art behind that, uh, which is something that I hmm. think only really brave people can do. Yeah. But he really breaks it down. It's really interesting. R-
2: Radio Lab did a thing about that on an episode a long time ago but they had Kristen shawl and some oh, guy yeah. did you guys hear that one that they were no. they had this like stand-up comedy thing that they were going around and doing together and they had this bit where he would sing this repetitive song at the top of his lungs while she danced like a horse mm-hmm. and they would start doing it and people kind of laugh like oh this is stupid and it just would go on and on for mm-hmm. literally 10 minutes just repeating over and over again and it would take People through that same cycle. cycle that you just described, where people would start getting annoyed and then angry and then they'd start laughing again. <laughs> and like it just kind of went through this weird, weird cycle. There's something about that. I don't have the patience to do that kind of thing.
0: To perform it or to sit through it?
2: Either. I mean, would you?
0: So I was thinking about a Tignataro late night, I think it was Conan, where she does this bit, which is really funny, but then she starts pushing a chair. She's like trying to get a chair to correct location, and she just keeps pushing the chair. And your late night sets aren't long, yeah. Right. And she uses like half of it to be pushing this chair, and people just like don't know what to do with it, but it ends up being really funny. So I think I have the patience if it's done correctly. Yeah, gotcha. Eli, what have you been watching?
2: Well, first of all, I spent a good portion of my Sunday morning watching clips of Crossroads, the Britney did Spears you, 2002.
0: Did you listen to the How Did This Get Made? No. Crossroads is a dark movie.
1: Really? I've actually never seen it.
0: I haven't either, but I listened to the synopsis on the episode, and it goes some pretty dark places. A little heavy?
1: Oh, I need to listen to Britney
0: Spears, (laughs) early aughts.
2: Rough time, huh?
0: Gets, like, down and dirty with some teenage problems.
2: Well, I was—Sunday morning, I woke up, and I don't know why it hit me, but it it suddenly occurred to me I had never seen a clip of Crossroads, never even seen a clip of it. And I was like, I kind of want to know what that's like, what that looks like.
0: But, like, what led to that? I don't know. I have no idea. I just woke
2: up, and I was like, yeah, I've never even seen Crossroads, like, a single clip. And I think I was wondering, is Britney Spears a terrible actress, or is she passable? And so I watched clips— She's real bad, real bad, real bad. Like people are acting to her and they'll be like, come on, let's go on this trip. And she'll be like, OK, that's fine. We can go get in the car. Like, it's just this, like, like you don't even know if she's thinking about the words she's saying or if she's just memorized words from a page that she read. It is so atrocious. But I highly recommend watching clips of it. I went to see Late Night. Uh, mindy kaling and emma thompson yeah i would recommend it yeah it's kind of a mess the storyline is a little bit of a mess and the whole entire movie i was expecting like okay i think it's about to become good now and it just never really did that said the two leads are great of course and i we support them in everything that they do yep. the stand-up in the movie is not funny but the non-stand-up comedy is good in okay. it, and it's a kind of movie that i would just like let play on tv if it ever came on so i would recommend it if we, you just need it a... we
0: were going to talk about that today but mm-hmm. we all had too many conflicts in our schedules to get it together so
2: yeah isn't it like ironic and funny that i finally saw the movie that we were supposed to see and mm-hmm. then nobody else did anyway
0: like rain on your wedding
2: we're right
0: it's like rain yeah
2: Okay. And then since we talked about Titanic last week, I got really curious, and <laughs> I went on YouTube, and I have been binging interviews of Titanic survivors from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Huh? And what I have learned is that that old woman in the film Titanic is a much better storyteller than most people <laughs> who survived the Titanic. Oh, no! Like, these people have one of the greatest stories of all time and you can tell most of them like the interviewers are so frustrated because we've been on the other side of interviewing people and when somebody has a good story and they're not telling it well it's so frustrating and so it's become like really entertaining for me to just see that play out so they'll be interviewing them they'll be like so and then how did you make it off the ship oh well i got on a lifeboat (laughs) Uh, okay well tell me what did that look like well there were lifeboats and (laughs) And then I got on it. Okay, and what did you see when you were in the water? Well, the ship sank. What did that look like? It went underwater. I mean, it's just like you can hear this frustration, and it is so infuriating to me. So maybe that's why they made a fictional character for the film Titanic, because they're like one thing that was really interesting though is there's this woman, and I'm sorry I do not recall her name right now, but she was like seven when Titanic sank and she made it off the ship, and she spent the rest of her life kind of advocating for various things like we need to have more lifeboats on these ships, or whatever else, because her dad died in it and she became sort of a half orphan because of the Titanic and whatever else. And she lived into the 1990s for many decades. She had said that when she was out on the lifeboat, she saw the ship go up, break in half, fall down and then sink all the way. Yeah. And people were like, she's misremembering that. That's not what happened. And people discounted that for many years and were like, well, she was seven. She was seven. When they finally discovered the Titanic, they confirmed that it, in fact, broke in half and she was vindicated. It was Mm. really interesting. Mm. Anyway, a little bit of Titanic trivia for you.
0: Listen to your seven-year-old.
2: Yeah. And then finally this weekend, for the first time ever, I watched Bridget Jones' Diary. (gasps) Ah, Renee.
0: What did you think?
2: I'm going to tell you, I just needed that woman to get her act together because it was stressful. She's a hot mess. She is a hot mess in that movie and not in a way that's endearing to me. The whole time I was watching it, I was just like, get it together. She's like completely drunk most of the time and just gross and... Making the worst life choices. And I guess I didn't know the plot of the movie, and so I was really caught off guard by that. But I watched it with somebody who watched it as a teenager, and I never saw it as a teenager. And he believes that that's why we had completely different reactions. If you see Bridget Jones' Diary as a teenager, you feel a lot more, I don't know, Warm toward it, but watching it for the first time as like a fully formed adult, I was like, Someone get this woman into counseling. Oh,
0: see, I like watching it and being like, Well, at least I'm not that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a mess, but I'm not that much of a mess. Yeah, that's a messy biatch if ever there was one. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, so Meg, what are you watching?
0: The Bachelorette, obviously. (sighs) Clearly. Last week was a little nutty, it did like half an episode and then half uh sit and talk with Chris Harrison and I think the editors just ran out of time. Huh. <laughs> they like panicked. They're like, call Chris Harrison. We need 30 minutes of him talking about the, the greatest hits. <laughs> so it was a little, a little off. Huh. American Scandal is a podcast I'm listening to and they are two episodes in now on the Tuskegee syphilis study. So they're going through what happened with the Tuskegee syphilis oh. study, which is tragic and horrible and very interesting. If you're not familiar with it, in the 1930s, they decided to run an experiment where in the black men in Tuskegee who had syphilis would not be treated. Their symptoms would be recorded. <sighs> they did like spinal taps to inspect the fluid. They had no idea what was going on. They thought they were getting medical help. They were told they had bad blood. Oh, my gosh. Just so the government could track what syphilis does to the human body.
2: So they were guinea pigs? Yes, yeah. Yes.
0: Mm. obviously without knowing, yeah. uh, which is morally reprehensible. And mm. this goes into who made those decisions and why, and it's very interesting. Mm. Okay, big little lies. Let's, it's let's, a mess. Let's talk about it. Okay, so the first two episodes, it's like, okay, cool, we're, we're getting there, something's going to happen. And this third one, I'm like, oh, we're still just talking in cars and drinking wine? Yeah. Is this the whole season? Is this what we're doing, just yeah. like dealing with your— Former trauma and talking in cars. How do you people have this much time?
2: Oh, it's so bad. What
0: are you doing? Reese, you're supposed to be selling houses. Yeah. Also, Adam Scott, leave her. You deserve better. For
2: sure. Leave her last season. out
0: of that marriage. Yes.
2: About every three minutes while watching episode three, I yelled out, this is ridiculous because it is ridiculous.
0: And I'm sorry, Shaleen Woodley does not have to be nice to Meryl Streep. No. she like, don't go to lunch with that woman. She wants no. to test your kid's blood to, like, <laughs> disprove that your son was a rapist. Get that woman out of yeah. your life. Don't sit and try and have a conversation with her. Yeah. I'm... St- I might be Bell and Ship. We'll see.
2: Okay. So I have to say, I think I had a different experience watching season one than you two based on things that you guys have said. But I was a little bored through a lot of season one and kept thinking, like, is anything happening? And then when it ended, I was like, oh, that was a really good story because I, really, I thought the ending was really, really good. I'm wondering if maybe something similar is going to happen to me this season, if I'm just going to be a little bored throughout and think it's ridiculous, but then like I see a cohesive story by the end. Fingers crossed.
0: I hope that for me right now the most compelling story is Renata's story and she like in my mind was just a tertiary character In yeah. season 1 so I don't, I'm interested to see where they go with that. I thought the climate change thing at the school was actually pretty funny and interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny
1: Oh my gosh But
0: how's it all fitting together? Right. I don't understand
1: Season 1 had a event that we were all like trying to unravel, you know, like yeah. they started off with Hey there's police they're being there's interviewed a about so yeah there's yeah. some mystery now it's like sand in the hourglass yeah so yeah like are the days it's of our lives. like let's talk what about are, the drama happening? that they're dealing with and it's just i want like a compelling event that i can look forward to and start to unravel a little bit more and there's nothing yeah we'll see we'll
0: see if they pull it together i mean with barry you know i was ready to quit and then it really turned around maybe this is the hbo model i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah i also last night took my kids and saw toy story 4 Okay. i absolutely loved it really there is a character in toy story 4 named forky who bonnie the little girl builds in kindergarten and forky cannot accept that he is not trash. He spends all of the movie trying to throw himself into trash because he believes he's trash. And if there is a greater metaphor for the human condition, I would like to see it Hmm. because we all believe we're trash and we all need people in our lives to say, no, actually, you are loved. You are worthy of love, which is kind of the thesis of the movie. But it doesn't have, like, the emotional punch in the gut that Toy Story 3 did. Toy Story 3 was like... Oh boy, I need to call my therapist and we need to have a long session after seeing that. Really? Because that is emotional. And this one is lighter and more funky and Peele do voices. It's a lot about Bo Peep, which is fun and surprising. Hmm. I really enjoyed it. Okay. We have gathered here today to discuss a show that I think means a lot to all Mm -hmm. of us. And I think it was a revolutionary show, especially for being a show on broadcast, on network television. Yeah. Friday Night Lights. The story of a small town in Texas and their high school football team. Mm -hmm. Let's start. It looks like, Eli, you have written down the dynamic between Coach and Tammy Taylor.
2: Yeah. Well, first I want to say... I was introduced to this show like when it I think its third season was airing. And this is one of those things that I'm not a sports person. I don't care very much about football at all. And people had told me like, no, it's good whether or not you like football. And I was really skeptical to that. And now I have become one of the big advocates over the last decade of telling people like this is the greatest binge. I really think that this is as far as dramas go best binge that you can find. It's not a show about football. It's a show about a town that is obsessed with football. And there is something for everyone in that. If you hate football, if you love football, if you're totally apathetic about football, Mm -hmm. you can find a lot to relate to in this because the characters run that whole gamut of emotions and opinions as well. One of my favorite things, and I think probably one of all of our favorite things about the show, is the relationship between the central characters, the football coach and his wife Tammy, who at one point becomes a school counselor and then later becomes the principal of the school. I like the characters generally because they... Are sort of beacons of the town. They're sort of the town grown ups. Mm-hmm. And they end up showing what it means to be a big fish in a small pond and having a huge impact on others. But my favorite part about their characters is the relationship that they have together. And I don't think it's very often that you have a romantic relationship at the center of some kind of drama that never really falls apart or is at risk of falling apart in any serious way. Mm -hmm. They have difficult things that they go through together, but they approach all of them with maturity and the way that I would hope that my own relationship would look like. Yeah. And I really, really found that refreshing in this show because it would have been very easy for them to have all kinds of marital problems and affairs and whatever else, and they just never went there with these characters.
1: I I did like that, and I liked the fact that it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows like with, throughout their marriage. Like, mm-hmm. He takes a job that's far away from home. They're dealing with that with a new baby and she's just like a Stressed. mess and the house looks horrible. It's not like yeah. other shows that, oh, like, the baby's perfect and I'm handling everything great. Mm-hmm. They're really struggling. And, As like,
0: anyone does. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Anything. And that's what was so cool about the show. What the writers did was let's give them something real. Let's not do something that's like what every other teen soapy show is that the kids are having all the issues and the parents are like, their rock. Like, at one point, the parents are... Mm-hmm. struggling kind of the but they never struggle in
2: their devotion to one another for sure and that's yeah. the part that i but think they, was refreshing they do, like argue They yeah. get yeah. mad yeah. at each other all the time and, yeah yeah one of my favorite scenes between them of the entire series is i think it's in season four and tammy is the principal of, of this school and she goes out with the faculty after school and they all go to a bar and have kind of this faculty party and there's this teacher who's kind of doofusy that she's been friends with over the years. And he gets pretty drunk and tries to kiss her. And she kind of was like, oh, no, you know, and kind of pushes him off. And in a later scene, that guy feels so guilty about what he has done that he goes to Coach Taylor and is like, hey, I'm sorry, I tried to kiss your wife. And Coach Taylor has not heard a thing about this. And is like, are you kidding? And reacts very strongly against this guy. When that scene happened, I was like, oh, no, this is going to create marital problems but it ends up not creating marital problems. In a much later scene, they're lying in bed pillow talking, and he's like, oh, by the way, Gary or whatever his name was, stopped by today to talk to me. And she's like, oh, no, you didn't punch him, did you? And he's like, do you realize that I indirectly have kissed Gary because of you? And they both just (laughs) laugh. And it's like, it was so nice to just see this is a mature couple where they have complete trust with one another. And he doesn't even have to ask her, did something happen? Did you behave inappropriately? He's just like, he just assumes that whatever happened is not her fault. And she doesn't feel stressed about the fact that it happened because she knows that he's going to have that faith her and i love that about the show
0: absolutely i love them they're kids oh. Oh,
1: julie. <laughs> julie taylor is the worst the character worst. on friday night lights julie no is a i lot. disagree but she's a top three. Oh my gosh season two when she starts dating the the, the swede the swede Ugh. that was it was she was insufferable for those five episodes <laughs> and i'll never look back it was horrible
0: well she's not a good actor either no she's,
1: not. she's
2: really not and when she goes off to college and has an affair with the TA or whatever it is out in college at that point I was just like why are we still putting her in the show there are a lot of really interesting stories and people and she has never been one of them but you know and then they have an alien baby what is wrong with that baby
0: I saw on Twitter that someone talked about how weird looking this baby was I was like um that's probably not fair pulled up a photo not great alien did they find that? Is it like the producer? I think
2: kid? I remember at the time I was reading a lot of Friday Night Lights blogs. Yeah. And as I recall, it was somebody who worked on the show, had a baby, and they're like, here, use my baby.
0: And how do you say sorry? <laughs> your baby's ugly. Sorry that your baby's not cute enough. I would like to see. And how... I don't think the way a baby looks has any impact on how they look as even a child yeah. or an adult. Like, oh, yeah. Babies are just like one-offs. Yeah. You know? Sometimes
2: they're just ugly.
0: Sometimes babies, they're just not quite Right. <laughs> And unfortunately, that was the case with this baby.
2: Okay, well, so you opened up the topic. Yeah. Best and worst characters of the show. All you right. think? So you think Julie is the worst Julie character. Julie is
1: the worst character. My opinion, the best character on the show is Tim Riggins.
2: I love oh, Tim I, Riggins. I think Tim Riggins,
1: I think he encapsulates everything that Dylan is mm-hmm. and how the town sucks you in, how it idolizes you, and like how you can't get away from it in the mm-hmm. end. Because he tried and just... Yeah. Texas forever yeah like he just it, just it just kept drawing him back and I love the last scene because it's him and his brother and they're building his dream house on mm. that huge plot of land that they ended up buying and like so that was the perfect ending to the show I thought and yeah. and who better to do it than Tim who is stuck with Dylan through the thick and the thin you know mm-hmm. I don't know what do you guys think I love Tammy Taylor of course yeah I love Tyra
2: Uh, I don't necessarily think she's a great actress, but her storyline was one of my favorites to follow throughout the series. It's just nice to see somebody who's a total wreck take control of their life and become something. And I sobbed my eyes out when she, spoiler alert, got her letter of acceptance to college. That was a great scene. It was such a phenomenal scene. And
1: I loved her letter that Mm -hmm. she wrote to UT. That was... That was poetic. Yeah. Was beautiful.
2: I think Matt Saracen is one of the most important characters in the show, and some of the most interesting storylines come through him, and I also think he's one of the best actors that they had in the show. I
0: think Matt Saracen was phenomenal, and he was one of those guys that you're like, oh, I could date that guy. You yeah. know, Tim Riggins, that's not going to happen for old Meg Morley. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Saracen. I would. <laughs> <laughs> More attainable. He's cute. He's, cute. He's approachable. Yeah. Takes care yeah. of his grandma. Yeah. He's just like a nice guy. And like when he does well in football, you're like, oh man. Oh, look
1: yeah. at you.
0: I know you're always rooting you for know, him. You know Tim Riggins. I'm like, oh brother. Of course you're good at football. Yeah, so right. Like Matt Saracen. So I'm like, look at. Like, you're probably
2: not going to do this after high school, but you did a great job in high school. Yeah, I think the worst character from the show is Jason freaking Street, Uh, the most insufferable. And I think what made me so mad about him is that he was supposed to be a hero in the show. I think the show wanted you to root for him, but I just wanted him to die the whole time. There's one point where he throws himself off of a boat because he's being dramatic in Mexico, and I was like, Drown,
1: please drown. (laughs) Let's write him out of this (laughs) show. Kind
0: of like just kind of stop having him after a while. Yeah, he
1: goes to New York to work for like a sports agency, and then he's gone for like a season, and then he comes back for like the final three episodes. Yeah. 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 That was the right call. That was the right move. Yeah. Yeah. He's just so annoying. The story was just so tired. It was just, yeah. all right, it's really expensive to be a paraplegic. Like, yeah. We get it. It's tough to get a job. It's tough to look back at football and be like, oh, I really wish I could still play. Yeah. Okay, we got it. It was kind of like,
0: terrible to his girlfriend who was like still very devoted to him. Yeah. I didn't like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do like Buddy Garrity, though. Buddy oh,
2: Garrity yeah. is a fantastic I character. I love
0: Buddy Garrity.
2: Fantastic <laughs> character. You are so frustrated with him, but so empathize with him and so love him and so want to strangle him at all times. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I think coach, they're friends. And I think that he has all of those feelings about him and communicates that very well throughout the series that you can tell that they're like really good buddies and they truly are loyal to one another. But he wants to
0: kill him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good character.
0: Michael B. Jordan.
1: Love Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, he was great in this, and he, then
0: he was in Parenthood as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. He just ran the NBC Every, gambit of dramas. Everyone producer. Yeah,
2: everyone in Friday Night Lights was in Parenthood yeah. at some
0: point. <laughs> um, they're both so good.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Who was the most successful post Friday Night Lights?
1: It could be Landry.
0: Yeah, like he, he had. A he big was nominated in, for an Emmy
1: last year. Was he for, in, for, uh, for Black Fargo. Mirror? Oh, that's right. And he was in Fargo and um, Game Night yeah that mm-hmm. movie was
0: funny he's engaged to kirsten dunst
1: mm-hmm. did they not get married i
2: don't know i don't know uh connie Burton's had a good career she has
1: national yeah. Nashville, Nashville still on it's i don't think still on, no it's it on, on cmt now oh that works it got dropped so it got picked up by cmt
0: i mean it was pretty it was garbage. And, uh, it was not great
1: kyle <laughs> chandler has had a good film career he has
0: and he was in. is it the affair kyle mm. chandler is also in game night that's oh, yeah. right. He is in Game Night.
1: He was in Wolf of Wall Street. He's been in a lot of stuff, actually. I think it's him or Landry, I think.
0: Tim, Taylor Kitsch did that sad John Carter Oof. movie. Yeah. Oof. Did that Blop. kill his career?
2: I haven't seen him since, I don't think. <laughs> Minka Kelly's popped up here and there. She was in All parenthood. parenthood. yeah. She was in 500 Days of Summer for a second. Yeah. 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 Was that pre-Friday Night Lights? It was in the middle of Friday middle. Night Lights. Michael B. Yeah.
0: Jordan's probably the most successful. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: I think he is. I think he is. And I, I sometimes forget that he was part of the show because he popped in at the end of it. Yeah. He's not one of like the mm-hmm. core cast from the beginning. But he helped give the show a rebirth because— After those first three seasons, their central cast mostly graduated, and they got bumped off of NBC and picked up by DirecTV. And this is, I think, one of the few times where they are able to successfully recreate a show, because I don't think the last two seasons are worse than the first three.
1: No, not at all. And it's an impressive feat that you can get rid of, really, the core cast besides the Taylors and keep it successful. Like Most of the time... They even got rid of the school. Yeah. I mean, it really,
2: truly changed everything except for the coach, his wife, and the fact that they live in Dillon, Texas, and they still were able to make it, I think, a phenomenal television series. The fourth season, the episode where, spoiler alert, Matt Saracen finds out that his dad dies and then they go have the funeral, was nominated for an Emmy for Best Writing. I think he was nominated for that episode as well. Mm -hmm. And it is, I think, standalone, possibly the best television episode I have ever seen and it was deep into the show season four season four or five yeah Yeah,
0: that's quite the feat we need to talk about let's do it the episode where landry kills a guy
2: (laughs) and the episodes that follow i
0: mean we really could just spend a whole high mind episode on this
1: (laughs) for sure so
0: i'm a little foggy but as i remember it tyra's studying in like a taco bell
1: yeah so landry's (laughs) supposed to meet her for a tutoring session yeah right he's late he can't get the car started and he was super pumped to go because it's his dream girl and like yeah. things are going really well with yeah. her and starts raining outside and dude says, like, not going to show up, huh? like, oh, not this time. She starts walking out to her truck. Dude in the restaurant comes up, attacks her. Yep. She fights him off, right? She kind of fights him off.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. she successfully does. Successfully
1: fights him off. Landry shows up. She tells him what happened. And then it's just like ever looming, yeah. like in her mind. And they do a. This was a cool storyline. Didn't we say it could have been the whole show?
0: Landry Um, killing a guy? I don't know. I don't think it was cool. You didn't like it?
2: I'll tell you, I liked the fact that they introduced this fear element for her. When they jumped the shark, is Landry killing him? That became absolutely absurd. But I was fine with the fact that she was scared. She's a young woman. They were trying to, I think, trying to explore what it's like being a young woman who doesn't feel safe and whatever else. But then it just became, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. And suddenly it was like, wait, this isn't the show we've been watching anymore. But then anymore. it resolves
0: without like any, any... consequences That's whatsoever. That's true. Like, the
1: only thing that really bothered me about it is like, why doesn't he just come clean about it? Well, he yeah. does
0: to his dad, who is a police officer. <laughs>
1: and the dad burns
0: the car. <laughs> I mean, there are so many bad implications in that. They could have done it much more successfully had it just been like a looming threat. Yeah. And Tyra that, has to yeah. deal with it okay. and Landry feels helpless. Yeah, which I think how, is how a lot of people feel when they know someone who's dealing with that and says, like, I'm just going to straight up murder this guy. Goes why? Why did that happen?
2: Part of the problem that they ran into was that was the season that the writer's strike happened. That's true. And so they only got half of the season filmed before the writer strike kicked off. And so... It's possible that they were going to revisit it later in the season and have, like, a better resolution than what we saw. But as it was, it was terrible. And then they never reference it again for the rest of the series. No. Yeah, it never comes back, does it?
0: And if we've learned anything from Big Little Lies, you can't just kill a guy and not spend a lot of time walking in the woods feeling bad.
2: Maybe maybe they should uh, do a season six and have Meryl come and deal with the Landry Mm. murder stuff.
0: You're short. I don't like you. (laughs)
2: hey, don't attack Meryl now. It's not her fault. (laughs) She's giving it her best. That's bold.
0: (laughs) So Friday Night Lights was first a book. Actually, I don't think it was called Friday Night Lights. It was called something else. But then it became the movie Friday Night Lights, which became a TV series. And usually when something has that long of a paper trail, I don't think Mm -hmm. it's any good. But this was very successful. Uh, I think it was always meant to be a TV series. And from what I read, a lot of the characters were based on actual characters that were in this town. Where the book happened because Mm -hmm. the writer was a journalist and he was like just gathering stories Uh. for this book. It was a nonfiction book, uh, which turned into a slightly fictionalized version in a movie and then slightly more fictionalized version in a TV show. And it felt real. The, mm-hmm. the series was successful in how real it actually felt. Yeah. Like totally. These were real characters with real dimension.
2: The way they communicate with one another is how real people talk to one another. Yeah.
0: And like I think about Tim Riggins' family, who's kind of white trash, you know, but very complicated people mm-hmm. uh, with very complicated lives. And how successful that was in showing that family dynamic. Oh,
2: totally. One of my favorite story arcs is Mindy, Tyra's sister, who ends up marrying Billy Riggins and becomes part of the Riggins family. And she's a wreck herself. In the later seasons, she becomes a really big character. And there's the young woman who kind of is getting kicked out of her own home that she ends up taking in and realizing she has to be a role model for, despite having lived the kind of life for which she was not known as a role model. And it really, really is a fascinating... They do such a good job with that character and with a lot of the characters in the show showing people who are kind of hot messes but also have like this deep goodness in them that keeps bubbling up and helping them move their lives along and mature in various ways. And I think in that way, the show is really touching without being heavy-handed. Totally. Yeah.
0: Any other thoughts on Friday Night Live?
1: No, I think we got it. That was a good discussion.
0: Well, I don't know where you can watch it now. I watch all of it on Netflix.
1: It's off Netflix. Oh, no.
0: So I'm sure you can pay for it on iTunes or Amazon. You could
2: come borrow the DVDs from me.
0: You have the DVDs?
2: Yeah, because when I first binged it, Netflix streaming wasn't even really a thing yet.
0: Okay. Yeah, so. I didn't watch it when it was on the air. I watched it after the fact when it was all on Netflix. And yeah. it was a really good binge. Yeah, I was, was so good. day in, day out, Friday night. It wise. felt like real life. And then it ended and I was like, well, where do I, how do I function? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, maybe a little too much too soon. Yeah. But it's something you should definitely seek out. Definitely watch if you haven't. I am not a football person in the least and I loved it. So Mm -hmm. to your point, you don't have to care about football at all. If you care about football, I think there's stuff in it for you. Yes. Great show all around. Next week we will be talking Independence Day for our 4th of July episode. Don't miss that. I'm excited to revisit. It was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. So it'll be fun to see if it holds up or if we have another Titanic on our hands. Um, Until then, remember to leave us a good rating and review, and we will see you next week.